Hello and welcome to DNI Spy, the weekly podcast which uncovers what's really going on in the world of diversity and inclusion. I'm Dr. Julie Humphreys. And I'm Natasha Whitehurst. And in today's episode, we're going to be exploring networking and how it can either elevate or harm your career. And we're joined by Emma Maslin, who is the founder and CEO of Inspirum, a business executive and author. Her first book, The Personal Board of You, um, aims to help even more people take more control of their career and accelerate professional success. Welcome. Thanks very much. Thanks very much for having me. Oh, that's our absolute pleasure. Um, we're going to kick straight off um, and we're going to define networking, first of all. So according to the Oxford Dictionary, uh, network is the action or process of interacting with others to exchange information and develop professional or social contacts. Um, any thoughts on that, Emma? Yeah, so uh, my my background has very much been in the tech sector and networking has been a very big part of uh, certainly of my career. And one of the things that I've spoken about a lot on DNI events, and that was the reason why I wrote the book, was around, you know, how do you get yourself out there and make the right connections? And what I've found over the years is that when people think about networking, they think about the forum of networking. They don't necessarily think about the outcome. They don't think about the connections that they're making. And in most cases, when people are dreading networking, they're imagining those situations where they're in a room of 50 strangers. And they're having to stand there with a drink, stare into the glass and try and make chit chat. Yeah. So I think that what I try and get people to have a think about is, so how do you make connections instead? So how do you purposefully seek out people who are going to be useful to you and useful to the goals that you're trying to achieve and actually just go and have a conversation with them? Because it may be better that you have that conversation one on one because that be, might be better suited to you than those types of forums. And is there a big difference between virtual and in-person now the pandemic um, has sort of happened? Uh, yeah, I mean, on the positive side of things, I think that it's great that actually some of the things that have happened as a result of the pandemic, where now there is more online networking that is seemed to be a bit more acceptable. So because for some demographics, that's a really great thing. So if I give you some examples of that, so firstly, there are many people with um, some level of neurodiversity who hate being in rooms with masses of strangers. It's their idea of hell and actually can bring on a fight or flight response. So I think for people particularly who've got autism, you know, it's great to have online networking, smaller groups of people. It's less scary for people. Um, also, I think a demographic of people that are often forgotten as well is carers. For people to get carers and stay for an after work drinks evening for a few hours, that can be really expensive for people who are caring for a family member. And often we talk about, you know, we think about parents or we think about, you know, maybe people who aren't suited to having alcoholic drinks, but also carers. That can be a really expensive forum. So giving those people an opportunity to make some connections as well. Now, I think that's a really great thing that's come um, come out of the pandemic with the, the virtual side of things. So we started off by saying, um, how can it enhance or hinder your career? So let, let's look at enhancing then, first of all. How, how can it really sort of um, supercharge your career? Yeah, so I, I am a big believer in that um, we all want life to be a meritocracy. We all want to be we're humans at the end of the day we want to be recognized for 
how great we are, that we're valuable and that we're useful to society and that we're great at what we do and all those sorts of things. But here's a thought. If people don't know who you are, how can they reward you and give you some amazing opportunity? So, Mm. you know, if we if we stay in our shell and we don't meet people, we don't connect people and we don't tell people what we're looking for, how can they think of us or how can they, you know, they won't pass us on to someone else to be able to develop that opportunity. So we need to find a way to get out there in whatever forum that takes, whether that's one-to-one connections or it is the traditional networking events, to talk to people, make connections with people, find things in common, and then discuss with them what we're looking for so that then when those opportunities come up, then we're the people that they think of and and actually we can develop life into being a meritocracy. And so just going back then to, you've obviously talked about the positives that we've seen from the more kind of virtual um, networking opportunities. Have you seen any um, impact when people now are going back into the more traditional networking setting? So is there a... um, is there a struggle with their kind of skill set? And have we lost some of those skills to go back into that? And also confidence. Um, I certainly know it's something that I've been talking to people about and people feeling a little bit nervous um, now going back into that traditional setting. Yeah, it's an it's an interesting one. I wonder if maybe people have just got a little bit more brave and they're saying, actually, I don't like that environment. I don't, I don't want to go back into that environment where, where I'm networking. Um, I'm an extrovert. I'm happy to talk to loads of people. Those mm. rooms of 50 people, I don't like them either, actually. I don't mm. like to make small talk with people and try and work. I think I did too much of it when I was younger. So um, so actually, I would find a way of not doing those sorts of things. I think as well, the other thing that people have started to become a bit more brave about is that they don't like the forum of the traditional networking events. And I think events companies and corporates have got a lot of work to do to make those forums better environments for all demographics. So, for example, there are, you know, some religions that aren't that keen on people drinking. You know, it's forbidden. So it's no good having a champagne reception, getting everybody to network. You know, that's difficult for people. We've got a lot of people now who, a lot of younger generations who don't drink. So being, you know, pressurised in an alcoholic situation again, you know, not great. we're also trying to cater for, you know, accessibility and people with disabilities. Those types of events, again, are very difficult for people with um, disabilities and then obviously neurodiverse and all those sorts of things. So I think events companies and corporates have got to really think about how they enable people to make connections in a in a positive way, make that human connection without it being alcoholic beverages and drinks. Certainly. And have you have you seen any good or great examples of events venues doing that, Emma? So some of the better ones I've seen. Uh, so the World Economic Forum, they do quite some good events, actually, where they're much more, they're smaller, very curated uh, networking events. I think the ones where you can have one-on-one appointments, they're quite good. But typically, they are restricted to executives rather than restricted to people that are in everyday jobs. And I think we need to give people lower down the chain the opportunity to make those connections as well and have those types of forums. So where you can do sort of the traditional sort of speed networking at a desk or a table where you talk to people one-on-one, that certainly helps. 
but smaller forums is is something that we we definitely need. Mm. And so thinking about networking when it can go uh, it can go really really well and we can um you can have a really successful networking event whether it be virtual or in person. Um how can it go wrong and and where where does networking go wrong typically? Well, I think if we if we again if we start with a forum, um let's you know we can talk about some of the toxic cultures that have been going on in corporates for a very long time that have been very much behind closed doors. You know, CBI have just had an absolutely ridiculous scandal where, you know, the pressure of being at events, the pressure of drinking, and then some of the allegations that have come out of that, you know, mm. they are not alone as being a corporate that's had that type of situation. You know, many corporates for a long time have been, you know, pressuring individuals to network internally we're not even talking about external networking i've done quite a lot of work over the years with a female traveler safety company a company called maiden voyage and also i do some work with refuge as well and you know this is a big risk to companies uh, about internal networking one because of what's going on in those situations but you look at the cbi i mean they're lucky to survive if they do in this situation um but also, you've got to get all these people home safely as well. So it's not just about the the people in the company that are behaving badly. Uh, there's many networking events. I've always been in sales. Many networking events I went to in my early 20s. You know, my primary concern was how was I going to get myself home safely? So I think that's that's something that we that we really need to have a think about is, you know, certainly on the corporate side of things and with HR, you know, how do we safely encourage people to network? But then also I've seen some terrible situations as well where there's been networking with customers and relationships have got out of hand, particularly with female members who then have been perhaps approached by customers and things have got a little bit too friendly and then got inappropriate. So, you know, again, fueled by alcohol, which probably wasn't a good thing. So, you know, we need to be thinking about, again, how do we how do we safely encourage people to network in environments that suit them, but also give us the things that we need, which is those connections. Um, mm. And I and I do think that that's one of the people, why, one of the reasons why people hate networking or they dread networking is because, again, they're thinking of the forum rather than the one-on-one connections. And so, you know, thinking then about um, we're, we're, we're a podcast all about action. So how do we then stop that? What, you know, what's the answer? Is it more policies yeah. or...? So I think the from a company perspective, I think we need to su- facilitate some some different types of connecting. So, you know, mentoring, I think making sure that, you know, people within an organization have mentors, I think coaches as well. So having more opportunity to talk to different people. So mentors being people with ex- experiences that are useful, coaches being people who can help find what you're really looking for and verbalize that but also making sure that there is connection to sponsors and then also people outside of organizations as well so making connections with other companies other peer groups so that again if the idea is we're fostering relationships with people for our own gain either skill sets or jobs or whatever that would be that we are making a variety of different connections and that we're facilitating that for employees because often they wouldn't know how to do that. 
um, people more senior do know how to do that because they're invited to these things all the time. So I think the it's the way that we think about the facilitation and don't just think, well, if we get 3,000 people out for some drinks, then that will help people network. That's not necessarily going to yield what we need it to yield. And you mentioned earlier around um, minority communities such as neurodivergent people and carers. What about other minority communities? So perhaps uh, let's look at race. Um, sometimes, well, I know that I've been approached um, when I've been in groups um, by somebody maybe from an ethnic minority saying, you know, they're often the only person from an ethnic minority in the room. Um, yeah. what, what, what's the impact on people from an ethnic minority in those situations and what can we do about it? Well, I think that what we can do about it to start with is, you know, it comes back to talent and hiring. I think there's a lot of excuses that are still being made about the lack of talent that there that there is of certain minorities. But I think organisations are still blaming the the talent pool rather than really looking to develop some of that talent. So working with schools, working with colleges to get some of those, you know, some talent from different backgrounds into their organisation. So I think the, you know, the pipeline of diverse talent is still something that it needs a lot of work, frankly. Mm-hmm. I think that's that's something to start with. Um, but again, I think we need to also listen to those minorities and ask them about the sorts of environments that they would like to see and get them involved in those conversations. You know, often if they're feeling less confident or they're feeling like they are the only one that's there that's you know that's different you know it's going to have to be a great culture for somebody to feel like they can speak up so I think we need to encourage some feedback just to say well actually is this the sort of environment that would you know foster great relationships for you or or how would you change it you know let's let's get some actionable feedback from them when when we think of networking, I mean, some people hate it, don't they? Um, as you, you talked about, um, <laughs> Natasha's put a hand up uh, straight away, and and I mean, it it, it definitely fills me with dread, um, especially since the the, the pandemic. Um, but is it the name? Does it just need a rebrand? Maybe. Yeah, I think so. I I wrote a blog a few years ago, which was hate networking, connect instead. And it's amazing how many people just loved the headline, forget the rest of the blog. Because again, the networking should always be about the outcome. If we're networking with customers, we want to drive business. If we're networking internally, it's because we want to foster relationships. It's all about building that human connection. Well, well, maybe 30 seconds with a group of you know 50 people where you go around the room, perhaps that isn't going to yield as much as let's purposefully think about who are the people that we need to for us to succeed and get to our goals? Okay, so why don't we approach them and ask them? So, you know, hey, Jeannie, would it be great if we could spend 15 minutes with each other? I've seen your experience. You've got a lot of experience in this area. I'd like to go into that area. Could you, would you afford me some time to have that conversation? Most people would say, yeah, absolutely. Let me Let me do that. Let's find some time. Providing you're really specific about the ask and you're conscious of other people's time you don't leave it really open-ended most people would say absolutely I'd be happy to do that so perhaps we just need to be a bit more purposeful and also a bit more brave right people don't do that because they think that people are going to say no so maybe we just need to be a bit braver with that one-on-one connection 
really good point. I mean, you also talk about um, organic connections versus purposeful networking. Um, tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, so the organic versus purposeful, I think is just what most people do. So if you think about the advisors that you have organically collected along the way, I can imagine that most people listening to the podcast would be thinking, okay, so when I go for career advice, I talk to my family, my friends, my peer group, which are all people that you've collected along the way. And actually they're people that you've just picked up. Now, the problem with that is, uh, firstly, they're probably not that objective because they know you really well. The second problem with that is they're probably not that diverse either because they've probably got similar backgrounds um it, there's probably a similar demographic that's going on there as well so how do we get ourselves out of that situation and start thinking about okay so what i need here is i need some diversity of thought that's going on with my advisors mm-hmm. a great example of this is if you're getting t- tired or weary in your corporate career and you're thinking about i want to go portfolio or i want to go on a board Actually, if you look around your advisors, you probably don't have those people that could help you make that leap or support you in that process in your general advisors because they've been your advisors will have been collected, sort of helping you up a corporate ladder. The same if you go and found a company and become, you know, entrepreneur and run your own business. So at the point at which we're thinking about making a change, I think what we should do is we should be thinking, okay, so how how do we find the right people to supplement the advice that we're getting at the moment so that we can make that leap faster, safer, less risk, or connect into a new set of people, a new network? So that's that's what my belief is. I think we need to go from collecting people along the way. They're useful, but also we need to find some some different people, different skill sets. I really agree with that. And I remember... Um we we had a session um kind of offline with um joe bostock and she said something similar actually around you know almost doing a little bit of an inventory whether it be once every six months or once a year and and look at the people that are influencing you whether that be the people that you work directly with or even what you're consuming from like an online perspective and look at where those gaps are and that can be really helpful um so yeah it's definitely something um that I think is is very useful and I don't think people think about it consciously enough yeah and also making a leap as well so give you an example uh, as one of the ones I've put in my book which was I was working in a business a couple of years ago where I took over an Asian business. I'd never worked in Asia before. So I was thinking, oh, right, I need to quickly learn like how to do business in Asia because that's really important to my job. So I went to somebody who is on my personal board, somebody I know really well, really great mentor of mine, and said, look, I'm going to be operating in Asia. What do you think? And he said to me, look, you need to understand these things. And I said, do you know anybody that I could work with who could teach me that or work with me on my skill sets in those areas? And he then recommended some people. So I actually made a leap through him into a completely different network. Mm. And then those people were very senior in great organizations in Asia. And that really helped me shortcut the the time it took to come up to speed and and work in that those territories. That's really that's really interesting. Um, thinking then about other things that maybe you've referred to previously. So you've said that life can only be a meritocracy if people know who you are. Um, can you explain a bit more about this for us? 
Yeah, so I think in my early career, I thought if I'm really diligent and I'm just super good at my job and I just keep my head down and, you know, basically be a good girl and whatever, then I'll be rewarded for that. And then what I then started to realise was is by keeping your head down and not necessarily putting yourself out there and telling people that you wanted to do something different, work somewhere else. A good example of this was when I worked for some microsystems back in my 20s. Um, I really wanted to work in the States. And um, I then I, and then when I stopped and thought about it for a second, I hadn't actually told anybody that I wanted to work in the States. So and then lo and behold, when I started saying to people, I'd really like to work in the States. Guess what? A job came up and I went to work in Boston. <laughs> so, you know, and I think these are some of the moments that, you know, if I could sort of tell my younger self, maybe you just need to tell a few people, you know, what what you're looking for. And that's not about showing off. It's not necessarily about, um, you know, being in everybody's face, but actually just letting people know just so then when they have that opportunity, they think of you or they at least ask you. And then the choice is yours rather than feeling grumpy or upset because people haven't thought of you. They're not mind readers, right? So we have to get out there and tell people what we're looking for. So does so, so I guess I'm conflicted a little bit um, because we've got people, we'll have people who are um, really nervous and not mm. anti-networking, but just feel so uncomfortable. They just can't network. They don't want to network. Um, but then if we're saying that they need to in order for them to be considered, um, that makes me conflicted because I think surely we're always trying to have the best person for the job, the best skills, best experience. But yeah. there we're saying, but you also need to know people. So that conflicts me. Really. Yeah, absolutely. I think so how some companies are combating this is with things like competency based interviews, those sorts of things where it's not about how you, you know, if you know people and those sorts of things. But I think just back to the networking point, I think there is a way to network for pretty much most people. I think we just have to experiment a little bit about how we do that because there are still lots of different ways to network. And again, if we're talking about sort of the corporate side of things, again, I think we need to facilitate that. So things like development plans where your manager's actually asking you, so what do you want to do? How do you want to get on? Okay, great. You want to, you want to go and work in the States. Amazing. Let me connect you with somebody. It doesn't have to be something where we're putting the onus on the employee to go and really push themselves out there because there are people who, who feel very uncomfortable doing those things. Um, so I think again, we're sort of, you know, we're, we're trying to cater for all of the, the different demographics we've got. So, you mentioned your book. Uh, tell us a little bit about it. Yeah, so my book, uh, Personal Board of You Inc., is uh, a book which is a collection of stories, really, some of my stories and stories from other people. I started sort of having this idea, probably it started about 10 years ago, but then about five years ago when I was working for SAP, I presented quite a lot at business women's networks and diversity networks about how networking doesn't have to be about the forum, it should be about the outcome and how you can do this in a way which is less scary for people and more manageable and some of the great outcomes that you can have. So I've collected some stories along the way of how people have developed their network and deployed some of the um, suggestions that I've got inside the book and their outcomes, which was a really great thing to have other people's stories in the book. Um, 
and and it was a bit of a labor of love actually I didn't do it because I thought I would you know make a stack of cash I did it because everybody kept saying to me you should really write a book about this because as obvious as it is to you know think about what connections do you need to get on people don't do it right we're all so busy and then we wonder why we've been passed up for a promotion or a pay rise or when we become an entrepreneur things are hard because when we look around we think oh actually I'm taking advice from the right people here and it was a little bit based on my own experiences I had an experience when I was very young where I was taking a different job and some guy came and sat at my desk and told me that it was a really bad idea for me to take this job and when I thought about it afterwards it was because he'd worked with the people that I was going to work for and based on his experience it was a bad idea rather than it being based on it was actually turned out to be a great great career move for me so that was sort of the beginnings of the idea where I thought hang on a minute who am I taking advice from here probably shouldn't be taking advice from guys who come and sit at my desk not appropriate so yeah that's where it all began <laughs> sounds brilliant sounds awesome and how's it going the book how, when did it come out um yeah so it came out in April um it's going really well I'm so chuffed with how it's going and the great thing again is the story so people message me and say to me hey I read the story I read this story it's so obvious I know it's really obvious and now I've gone and done this thing and this has happened and actually that's the reason why I did it and I and I love that it's just lovely to hear people's stories and people that I worked with 20 years ago buying the book reading the book and just saying oh actually that's made a really big difference or I've bought this book for someone else because it will make a big difference to them so um yeah so I I I love that it's um it's great to hear that people are finding it useful really gratifying isn't it so we'll add the um the link to the book for our listeners in the show notes um and sounds like good summer reading it's a bit of self-help which is always useful while you're contemplating a long flight or something um finally we always ask our guests um about a top tip because we always say that inclusion is an action uh these things don't just happen by themselves that we have to do something actively um, so what would your top tip or inclusive action that you want to share for our listeners as as they leave this podcast um, and press the stop button what would you want them to think about and do yeah so I think my top tip would be you need to experiment with what type of connecting activity works for you let's take networking away from the equation for a second because like we said I think there's a lot of history that goes with networking you know we we need we need connections to develop skills find opportunities um and I it's just so important for us in business just full stop I think I would just encourage people to just experiment a little bit with lots of different forums so they can find something that works for them that's comfortable and also just think about those forums as well what do you want to get out of those meetings never turn up to a networking event or a connection event where you've not thought about what are the three things I want to get out of this who are the three people I want to meet you will find it a lot more gratifying if you turn up to one of those events and get what you want out of those events rather than staring into your glass it being a total disaster and then you running away after half an hour because you just hate it. Go in, meet the three people you need to meet, very successful networking event, and then and then go home satisfied. And you never know, you might hang around because you might be a little bit buoyed by your experience and your success. I think that's a great tip. 
actually that um because then it's more it's so objective focused isn't it that um you don't have to think about oh what should I, what's my opener what's my line you know what you're trying to do so therefore you can work back mm. from that yeah absolutely go in with a mission mm. love it um Thank you so much, Emma. This has been um, a great conversation. Um, lots of um, actions for us to take away here and people to think about and really like this concept of actually let's rethink. Mm. Actually, let's not even consider it networking. Let's just think about the connections that we're making. So uh, awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much, Emma. And we will link your um, book in the show notes. Great. Thank you so much for having me. You can find us on Twitter. Our handles are in the show notes below. And if you've liked what you've heard, please rate us wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe to get new episodes automatically. Thanks for listening.